in your relationship A, B, C intersection? A is what is it that they need? B, what is it that they cannot get elsewhere? Only when you have A and B can you then really to ask about C and really talk about C, which is what is it that you bring? It better be unique. In the post-pandemic hybrid relationship world, your value proposition should be unique. The experience should be unique. I don't care if you're interviewing for a job or you're trying to sell a product or service or an idea. It needs to be unique. It needs to have a fresh lens, fresh perspective. Is it well-positioned? Is it relevant to them? If you're bringing pre-pandemic ideas to the post-pandemic world, newsflash, not sure it's going to resonate because we've all had to learn to do things differently in the last 13 months. Hi there, this is David Knorr. Welcome to the third season of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm so excited after years of research and interviews and due diligence on this topic to finally be able to publish Curvebenders this year. It'll be my 11th book as a follow-on to Relationship Economics and Co-Create. Curvebenders, in essence, are your strategic relationships that enable your non-linear growth in the future. Our research points to 15 forces that we believe will dramatically impact the future of how you'll work, how you'll live, how you'll play, and how you'll give. The global pandemic is just one example. So how will you remain relevant if more disruption will come at us more often with potentially far greater impact? In each episode, I want to share with you insights, great ideas from guests I've invited to join us, as well as practical ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, your behaviors, and most importantly, what I believe is your biggest asset, which is your portfolio of relationships. I call those relationships your curve benders. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Nor here. Just a quick heads up that we're constantly updating our new website, norgroup.com, with new blog posts, podcast episodes like this one, links to my Forbes and Inc. articles, and a new intimate community called the Nor Forum. It's a place where like-minded professionals are gathering to learn, share, and grow through insights about strategic relationships, visual storytelling, and nonlinear growth. This is also where you find articles, poll questions, and some great discussions. For example, earlier today, there is an article on how to be more productive in the post-pandemic world. I am hosting a longtime friend, Diane Ryan, a retired Army colonel and a leadership development expert at West Point on an upcoming podcast and live stream. There are interesting folks sharing uh, really gender equality questions and challenges. There is, I shared a unique insights about the Persian New Year. So a lot of great content where companies go wrong with learning and development. Here's a poll question on how are you thinking about planning for or leading differently in your business or role in the post-COVID world. So we're up to about a thousand folks, all professionals, all from all around the world, really talking a lot about their relationship challenges and opportunities, how do we effectively communicate, how do we really learn more, learn it faster, and apply those to solve challenges and opportunities. So I hope you come join us at norgroup.com slash forum. 
That's nourgroup.com slash forum. Hi, everybody. David Knorr. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Curvebenders podcast. It has been a while since you've heard directly from me. I've had some fabulous guests ever since, I think, beginning of this year. Uh, Michael Jacobides, uh, Simona Chicarero, David Burkus, Ika Evans, Joel Koblenz, Tiffany Bova, Sidney Finkelstein, Julian Birkenshaw, Damon Griggs, Diane Ryan, Dennis Sadlowski, and most recently, Thor Ernson. So if you haven't listened to our podcast for some time, you may want to go back and listen to some, some incredible insights by these folks. I thought I would share with you in this episode kind of my own thinking more recently around this idea of hybrid relationships. And by that, I mean, think about it a second. Pre-pandemic, a lot of our relationships were in person. We met for coffee. We met for lunch. We traveled extensively, some of us, and we met others in person. And we nurtured those in a very tactile manner. And then the pandemic hit, and we all got our wings clipped, and we got grounded, and we had to revert to digital connections, digital relationships. So you increasingly connect with people over Zoom. You may have connected with them through various social channels. In essence, some of these people you haven't ever met or you certainly haven't seen in sometimes like 13 plus months. So hybrid relationships at its essence is about the relationships you pre-pandemic knew in person, physically, had regular interactions with, you've had to now nurture digitally. And I'm trying to coach you in thinking about the relationships that you've predominantly have developed through digital channels in the last 13 months need that in-person interaction. So how will you reconnect? How will you re-engage? Now that you know vaccinations are up, now that business travel is certainly starting to pick up, events, meetings, conferences are coming up, what will you choose to do a little differently? What will you choose to do more proactively in nurturing those relationships? So just as a quick reminder, I am uh, publishing this month my 11th book called Curvebenders. It's a personal growth roadmap at the intersection of the future of how we'll work, live, play, and give, strategic relationships, and this idea of personal reinvention. And I got to tell you, I'm concerned that I'm seeing a lot of organizations think about coming back to work or physically getting back to work completely wrong because we're talking very tactically about should we be in the office two days or three days versus the real opportunity, which is to reimagine work. And in a few weeks, I have Michael Watkins, the first 90 days fame, who's a a professor at IMD in Switzerland and talks a lot about accelerating career transition as my guest. And the episode is focused on reimagining work. So I think that'd be a really interesting episode to listen to as well. So in reviewing kind of my background, my previous work in relationship economics, I introduced the idea of intentional strategic, and quantifiable business relationships, specifically to accelerate business outcomes. More recently in Co-Create, I provided a canvas for the application of these really strategic business relationships when two or more come together to iteration. How do we do the same thing better? Innovation, which is how do we do new things? 
and disruption, which is how do we do new things that makes the old obsolete. In curve benders, I build on that. And, and the roadmap is how some of these strategic relationships can dramatically, uh, can profoundly alter our reinvention, alter what I call our nonlinear growth trajectory against all these forces. So think of the pandemic as one of 15 forces we've identified that are going to continue to disrupt our lives. And not just the way we work, but again, look at this pandemic. Every facet of our lives got disrupted. So how will you remain relevant? And that's the real key with this idea of hybrid relationships is how will you proactively nurture those to remain relevant? So I thought I would share with you, uh, again, recap couple of ideas to kind of think about, and then much more importantly, kind of practical insights to uh, really internalize in your own efforts, right? So I'm a big Jim Collins fan, and and um, a great deal of his work, he often talks about we don't ask enough who questions. And I want to take that concept a little further. And by that, I mean, when we're faced with a challenge or an opportunity, we often ask, what should we do and how should we do it? We don't ask enough who questions. So for decades, I've been asking, who do we need? Who do we know? How do we connect the dots between the relationships we have and the relationships we need to really accelerate our ability to get things done? I was coaching an executive yesterday, and he got tapped into running uh, a new line of business. And previously, he's been a builder, right? So he's came in. Uh, he's quickly figured out what it needs to do, and he's built and grown and 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 successfully accelerated the growth, profitable growth of that business unit. Two levels up, tap into him recently to go turn around a situation, and the pressure's on of doing this quickly. So one of the first questions I asked him is, "Who's on your inner circle? Who who are those?" strategic relationships you need to understand what you're walking into. Who You don't have time to make all the mistakes yourself. So I said, number one, who's turned around this size business? Number two, who's got deep subject matter expertise in this area? Three, who knows the organization really well to help you navigate it? If you think about it, that three-legged stool that I'm looking at or I'm looking for, I'm recommending for him, is who's already done the job that I'm being asked to do? Let's go figure out from them what worked, what didn't, what shouldn't I waste any time or effort on? Who knows this subject matter area? His learning curve is too steep. So to tap into a subject matter expert who knows that space will accelerate his growth. And unfortunately, most people don't think you know, enough about the who questions. And in, in, in the whole relationship economics model, and if you go back and look at you know, the relationship currency roadmap is what I call it, I talk about your relationship-centric goals, right? What are the outcomes you're after? Pivotal contacts, who do you need? Relationship bank, who do you know? Relationship currency deposits, what investments can you make in your existing relationships to gain access to or opportunities with relationships you need, those pivotal contacts, to accelerate the outcome. And if you start to think more about who do I need and how do I connect the dots, it becomes invaluable. The other challenge we've had 
in the last 13 months in this pandemic is you haven't had the opportunity to create what I call relationship shoelaces, right? So if you think about a relationship bow tie, two triangles facing each other, in many instances, our primary contact is one of you with one of them. What has happened in the last 13 months if that primary contact has retired or has left the role? Uh, I think there's some Gallup data that says more people changed jobs this past January of 21 than they did in 20, pre-pandemic. So if your primary relationship is only that one person, and again, they leave the organization, you're back to square one. So I coach a lot of people to turn that bow tie around. So now the points of the triangles are facing the other way. And what you've built are a series of shoelace relationships up, down, and across the organization. Well, in the pre-pandemic world, we would go to the client's office and would walk around and meet others and get introduced to others. And during the pandemic, that's been really difficult. It's really difficult to make new headways into new accounts if you haven't had those relationships into not just accounts, projects, initiatives, right? So I got introduced to the, the company, we'll go unnamed, but by a senior executive who had worked with several times, retiring, introduced me to several of his, I think of his CEOs, retiring several executives in his organization. And did they take the calls? Sure, but I gotta tell you, it felt obligatory. Like the, the old guy leaving is telling us to meet with this guy. Sure, we'll meet with them. And, and, and it's my fault, right? If I don't build a sufficient enough value proposition for them to want to work with me, I, I got to take the blame on that one. But it's really difficult with people you've never met and you're asking them out of the gate to trust you. And yet they haven't had a chance to get to know you. So what we haven't been able to do is one of the biggest tenants I believe in, which is turn relationship bow ties into shoelaces. Those need physical interactions. So throughout this episode, I'm going to give you some homework. One of those is where are your weakest links in your relationships, right? So if you think about a specific company or a specific department or a specific division, pre-pandemic, you had a close working relationship with a few people. And maybe their jobs have changed. Like I said, maybe they've left the company. Maybe their roles have entirely you know, different part of the organization. And your relationships are now at risk in that department, function, account, because you don't have the depth and breadth of relationships. So what has to happen is, and we'll talk about this, you're going to have to double down and really nurture those. So in the relationship value pyramid, if you've, again, read any of my work, if you see me present uh, very quickly, I talk about the depth and relevancy of your relationships. At least half of everybody you know, I call them situation. Your access to them is occasional, and it's a very collegial relationship. They come and go. The next level up, I call investments. It's a regular interaction, and it's very cooperative. We're going to work closely together to get things done. The next level up, I call portfolio. This, your interactions are frequent, and this is a very collaborative, go-to group of people for a specific set of expertise. The very pinnacle of everybody you know, I call two AMs, right? Literally because you could call them two in the morning and the first question would be, are you okay? But your access to them is immediate and it's a very interdependent relationship. Another really good homework through this pandemic and particularly coming out of it is go back and recalibrate your relationships and ask, 
Where do I need to make some investments? Who have I left neglected? Who have I left neglected in the last 13 months? That is critical to my success. That's critical to me connecting the dots. And I talk a lot about in the Curve Vendors book, your journey from now to next, right? So you know where you are now. You know where you need to get to. Who's really do I need to prioritize? Who's critical to that journey that I need to invest in? And that's the key. Because if there's a situation today, bottom of the pyramid, come and go, there's just not enough depth there. So you have to find opportunities. You have to maybe create opportunities to invest in those relationships to really move them up that pyramid. Not everybody's going to be willing. Not everybody's going to go on that journey with you. So picking and choosing the ones you choose to invest in is going to be more critical than ever before. In terms of interacting, in terms of, I said earlier, depositing, investing in those relationships, three things that matter. And, and I talk about those are your the intersection of your ABCs, right? A, what is it that they need? I would submit a lot of your relationships know what they want, not what they need. And there's three types of needs, right? Existing, they know they need it. Impending, it's coming. And I'm telling you now, this is a really good time to be thinking about the post-pandemic needs of your relationships. What will they need on the other side of this? Last week, I'm blessed. I booked five in-person speaking events, leadership retreats, right? A board meeting, domestic and international for second half of this year. So there's this pent-up demand for people wanting to, business professionals, wanting to get together and meet in a still responsible way. But as we get vaccinated, right, the interest of getting back in conferences, back in meetings, those are going to be really important. So what are those impending needs of your relationships? Here's my favorite, created needs, needs they haven't even thought of, right? I'm finding a lot of opportunities with executives around coaching. So how will you rethink, reimagine, reinvent parts of your business, right? They haven't even thought about that because everybody's been heads down just trying to get through this pandemic. So A, is what do your relationships need? B, what is it that they cannot get elsewhere? Is it knowledge? Is it talent? Is it experience? Is it influential relationships? If you don't figure out what is it that they cannot get elsewhere, you're going to just continue to add to the noise. Hey, look at all the 75 great things I can do on this project or initiative. Well, yeah, you and a whole lot of other people. So you're going to get lost in the noise. The proverbial, don't call us, we'll call you, right? Only when you understand, and the best way I know how to do that, ask. You want better answers? Ask a heck of a lot better questions. That's interesting. How did you get there? How do you plan to get there? What will you do when you get there? Because in my experience, transformation and doing new interesting things isn't about some destination. It's absolutely the journey. So do you have the right talent to get there? Do you have the right talent in the right Seats, right jobs. Do you have the right talent in the right jobs with the right priorities? Do you have the right talent in the right job with the right priorities? And do they have the resources to succeed? Because without that, that role is at risk. Only when you have in your relationship A, B, C intersection. A is what is it that they need. B, what is it that they cannot get elsewhere. Only when you have A and B can you then really to ask about C. And really talk about C, which is what is it that you bring? 
it better be unique. In the post-pandemic hybrid relationship world, your value proposition should be unique. The experience should be unique. I don't care if you're interviewing for a job or you're trying to sell a product or service or an idea. It needs to be unique. It needs to have a fresh lens, fresh perspective. Is it well positioned? Is it relevant to them? If you're bringing pre-pandemic ideas to the post-pandemic world, newsflash, not sure it's going to resonate because we've all had to learn to do things differently in the last 13 months. And the other facet of what you bring that's got to be increasingly I keep running into is it has to be clear. It has to be simple to understand. I, I don't understand it, but we have a knack for overcomplicating things. Have you ever seen this? Right? You sit there, but you be quiet. I have 178 slides I want to take you through in the next 30 minutes. Woohoo! Says nobody ever. So is your is your vision, is your direction, is your idea? Jennifer Bridges, a friend of mine, says, simple, easy, fast. Simple to convey, easy to understand, fast to act on. Right? Simple to convey, easy to understand. Fast to act on. The intersection of that ABC, what is it that they need? What is it they cannot get elsewhere? What is it that you bring? That intersection is relationship gold. That's when people prioritize returning your calls and emails. That's when people set you apart from everybody else that sounds exactly the same. So it's fascinating. When I when I do presentations, when I do keynotes, or learning spreads. I have this interactive polling tool. And one of the questions I ask is, what are, what are the top three barriers to your relationship consistency? Would you believe number one response is, I'm too busy. I'm distracted. And, and you know what I hear when somebody says I'm too busy? It's just not important enough. Because if Wendy tells me I've got to be at the kid's school this afternoon at 3 p.m., guess where I am this afternoon at 3 p.m.? Yeah. We make time for things that are important. We make time for things we believe should be a priority in our life. So when somebody says, I'm too busy, that relationship is not important enough. Investment in that relationship is not important enough. Pre-pandemic, I was a big proponent of what I call the 10 relationship impact moments. Over the years, I've observed people that build and nurture relationships in an incredibly consistent manner. And there's 10 attributes, and I may do a future session on just just this, but 10 opportunities throughout the day that I believe set you apart. Number one, empathy, walk in their shoes. In the post-pandemic hybrid relationship world, empathy will matter more than ever before. Have you heard of long haulers? People who had COVID-19 and months later are still suffering from it? Yeah, you need to understand that. Have you seen companies go through that painful furlough and layoff and let people with decades of service go? I, I got to tell you, I don't know of a single manager or leader that actually enjoys that process. You need to empathize with what their issues are, what their challenges are. Two, engagement. You got to show up. You got to increasingly show up in a more proactive way. Three, adaptability, you gotta tailor it. Post-pandemic, tailoring what is it that they need, what is it they cannot get elsewhere, 
what is it that you bring becomes incredibly valuable. Four, perspective, change their lens. Change their lens. So when I say rethink, reimagine, reinvent, what does that look like? Change people's lens. Bring a different perspective. Five, conviction. Bring a point of view. Believe in something. Because if you believe in nothing, it shows. Can you imagine me showing up on this podcast? It is good to be with you. And I'm really, really excited to talk about your relationships. You would, you would disengage. You would leave. You, I would lose you at hello. So what point of view do you bring? What does that conviction look like to you? Six, collaboration. Make no mistake about it. In the post-pandemic world, collaboration for sake of collaboration is a waste of time. And we figured out how to do Zoom really well. So you want me to come into the office to do what? Sit around and BS for a day? No, thank you. Collaboration has got to make it stronger together. The end result has got to be dramatically better. Seven, selflessness. Lower your self-interest. I know there's things you want. There's outcomes you want. There's initiatives you want to launch. There's projects that you own and you want to work on. But if you start with, how you doing? I'm sorry. I heard you lost your mom to this pandemic. How's your head? How's your heart? The more you reduce your self-interest, it's amazing what others, your relationships will share with you. I'm struggling in this area. I don't know how to do this. Can you please help me? Right? Eight, accountability. You're going to have to own it. Own it. Listen, I we screwed up. All I can do is apologize. Give me a chance to fix it. Own it. I think increasingly people are going to look for that accountability amongst, you know, hopefully with yourself, with your peers, as well as the organization. Nine, candor. Say what others won't. Say what others can't. Again, I had a, a coaching conversation recently with an executive. And I said, you are not in a position to succeed. Well, why do you say that? Okay, prove me wrong. (laughs) Right? You don't have the runway. You don't have the resources. You're running up this hill with one arm and one leg tied behind your back. You don't have the support. Right? You don't have the autonomy. Corporate, corporate, like over there, is asking you to do something you know isn't the best course of action. Am I wrong here? Like how many, (laughs) how much do we have to stack against you? You're right. It's not about being right. It's about you need to hear what others are not willing or able to say. As an outsider, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't have an agenda. I'm not interviewing for your job. I'm just telling you that here's the challenges. So that candor, when it's respectful, when it's forward thinking, forward moving, it's invaluable. 10, improvement, up their game. In the post-pandemic world, there's an enormous opportunity to up people's games. So go back and listen to, again, these are 10 relationship impact moments. Here's what I want you to do in terms of digital. Here's what I want you to think about in terms of the post-pandemic, again, this idea of hybrid relationships. You've got to create a very consistent digital brand. 
ideally for your organization and yourself. Ideally, build on, if, if the organization already has a, a digital brand effort initiative, build on that. Nurture that. And I got to tell you, simple exercise. I ask people, give me three brand attributes that you want to be known for. And I might as well be asking that in Portuguese. Because they start to rattle off 15 things. So hold on a second. Three brand attributes you want to be known for. And more importantly, are you living? Are you showing up? Are you articulating? Are you conveying? Are you delivering those brand attributes? Because when you do, it becomes not just a brand promise, it becomes brand equity. People start talking about you. Susan is the go-to person in this area. Oh, post-pandemic, we want to completely reinvent that division or that initiative or that project or that really important thing we got to do. Susan is the person to go to. Two, commit to a value-based relationship strategy. What does that mean? I think increasingly people are going to have less patience to waste time, waste cycles, they're going to prioritize the relationships they invest in. So in every interaction, you have two options and two options only. You're either going to enhance the perceived value of that relationship or you're going to dilute it. You're going to help them look forward to hearing from you next time, connecting with you next time, re-engaging with you next time, or you're going to make them avoid you delegate you, abdicate you, the choice is yours. And there's a direct correlation, by the way, between the level of due diligence you do, the level of prep you do before each and every interaction. If the relationship is important to you, spend 15 minutes preparing in advance, before that coffee meeting, between that, before that next Zoom because there's very few things as dangerous as back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Zoom calls where you don't have time to just prepare. So if you are in control of your own calendar, make the time to prepare. But if you commit to a value-based relationship strategy, every interaction ideally becomes about them, Every interaction becomes how are others better off because of you and that consistent investment in your relationships, I'm trying to tell you, pays dividends in fold. Number three, think about gathering your relationships for the two fundamental reasons most people gather, content and community. What can we share? One of my biggest fears is that we won't learn anything from this global pandemic. We won't think about doing anything differently from this pandemic. And I cannot think of a bigger missed opportunity. So gathering your team, gathering with other people to just talk about what, what did you learn? What had a profound impact on you? What will you choose to do differently? People fundamentally gather for two reasons. Content is one part. Community. Who else can I meet? I'm part of that Leadership Atlanta, which is one of the oldest leadership community, civic, business, academia, leadership development programs. It's nine months. A lot of people call it almost like getting a second job. But I'm really looking forward to I was looking through the, the membership in my class. 
and we start with a kickoff this June and it goes for nine months. And I think graduation is like next year. It's a fascinating, fascinating group of people. Like deputy chief of city of Atlanta police or right assistant U.S. attorney, head of HR for Mercedes-Benz, right? Managing director of one of the big ad agencies in town. Just glancing through it looks like an incredible group of people that I can't wait to meet and get to know better, right? So gather people, gather your relationships for that. Four, make time for due diligence. I said it, proactively before each interaction. Start with the industry, if you're outside the industry, then go to the company, then go to the individual. There's very little places for any of us digitally to hide. So the more due diligence you do about who's who and where and how, what are their issues what are the latest earnings calls? It's a publicly traded company, and if you're trying to work with them, there's no excuse for not sitting on those analysts or earnings calls because they tell you, here's where we are, here's where we're going from the executives. And analysts ask a whole bunch of questions, and you can really understand and get a good glimpse of where they are and what do they anticipate. Where's the direction of the organization? What's the sentiment? Listen carefully. I often talk about listen louder to the keywords that the leaders share. Is it optimistic? Are they forward thinking? Are they looking? Are they excited about what's ahead? Or is it doom and gloom? Right? Because there's shortage of semiconductors. And last time I checked, you need those for cars and a whole bunch of other equipment. And if they can't get them, there's going to be a shortage. If they can't get the talent back, that they had pre-pandemic, they're going to have a really hard time getting those rental cars ready or those airplanes ready or the hotel rooms ready, right? So do your due diligence proactively. Five, elevate your digital presence. 13 months into the stinking pandemic and you still see people's cameras from their goofy laptop looking up their nostrils. Really? The lighting, if the lighting is behind you, you look like you're in the witness protection program. The background, I'm not sure anybody wants to see your bed. The audio, (laughs) it's like, what? What is happening here, right? So elevate that digital presence. Invest in a 4K camera. Get the right lighting. Get the right background. Get the audio fixed. So that is your, your digital footprint. You wouldn't show up to a meeting with a torn shirt and and mud all over your feet. So why does your digital presence look so amateurish? Right? Six, share content. Promote others. Connect capabilities with value. Right? Convey that brand that is intelligent, that is thought-provoking, that doesn't have to be elaborate. As a matter of fact, again, When in doubt, revert to simplicity. Um, And I would submit it takes more work to create a simple, elegant, direct message. But when you share content, when you promote others, when you elevate others, kudos. Is there an internal newsletter? Is your external newsletter all about you or is it all about the success of others? How are you connecting capabilities with value creation of others? And bringing them into the team, into the conversation. Seven, beyond content, 
create interactive engagement immersion we're completely revamping our training i want to get people out i want to get them out of classrooms i want to get them out of their experiences i want to get them out of their day-to-day jobs i want to get them out of their norms because you cannot develop that capability when you're enthralled in 300 emails a day so create opportunities for people to interact Create opportunities for them to give you feedback and create that engagement and interaction and immerse them into experiences. In the post-pandemic world, I'm telling you, we've, we've been starved of that for the last 13 months. Eight, get and keep your finger on the pulse of what they're thinking, feeling, or doing differently. Let me say it again. Get and keep your finger on the pulse of what they're thinking, feeling, or doing differently. My perception is that we're going to do some things very differently in the post-pandemic world. What are those? How are they relevant to you? Where have they not figured it out? Where do you need to be more proactive in immersing yourself in the middle of that? With ideas, with perspectives, with relationships. Nine, follow through with discussion topics. In your discussions, some things are going to trigger, some things are going to give them that dopamine, ah, right? Follow through on those. A week later, a month later, three months later, six months later, hey, you and I talked about this. Did you ever do anything about it? Or you were really excited about that. What happened to it? You're really excited about that. How can I help? Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not selling anything. What I'm trying to do is figure out how I can be an asset, how I can help them. But if you follow through, which is a process, not follow up, which is just transactional, you remain top of mind. And in a hybrid relationship world, there's going to be a lot of competition for that mind share and wallet share. So what will you do to remain top of mind? 10, repurpose. Repurpose your content. Repurpose your ideas. Explore new platforms. In essence, meet them where they are. So we, we, you know, a lot of organizations talk about the sales journey, right? We're going to do this, then this, then this to sell something. I want you to change that lens, change that perspective to think of the buyer's journey. And again, not just product or services, but ideas. How do the relationships that are important to you buy or buy in your ideas? Meet them where they are. What is it that they need? Where do they go next? How do they socialize it? What social proof do they need? Do they need to try something or test something? What's on their priority list? Make no mistake about it. If whatever you're trying to do with a relationship isn't on their priority list, it is not going to happen. And increasingly, more is going to demand time, effort, resources from them. So what I've just shared with you are really 10 hybrid relationship best practices that I hope you'll go back to and listen to and really ask yourself, what will I prioritize when it comes to my relationships? Those that I knew in person before this pandemic, those that I've predominantly have met and interacted with digitally, what will I choose to prioritize on the other side of this? And I cannot reiterate the incredible value If you make the time to make a list, I'm a list maker. So who's in the top 30 of your relationships? 
Who's most relevant to you? Who's in the top 50? Who's the top 100 relationships that are most relevant to your success? If you make that list and commit to consistently investing in them digitally as well as in person, I can't imagine you not accelerating your ability to get to some incredible results on the other side of this pandemic. So I hope this session has been of interest and value to you. I would go back and and listen to some of the key ideas that I shared, the 10 relationship impact moments, the ABCs, right? Deposits, those relationship investments, the ABC intersection of what do they need, right? What they can get elsewhere. What do you bring? The relationship value pyramid, the relationship bow tie versus shoelaces, right? Asking enough who questions, the kind of summary that I shared between relationship economics, co-created and the curve benders. This is really a culmination of about 20 years worth of work that I think is going to be even that much more important on the other side of this pandemic. So thanks for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you next time. I'm so grateful for all of our listeners on the Curve Vendors podcast. I'd love to hear from you with ideas, with suggestions, with guests you'd love to hear from at this intersection of future of work, strategic relationships, and nonlinear growth. You can simply email podcast at norgroup.com or follow us on various social media channels where I use the hashtag Curve Vendors to keep you posted on our latest progress. 